0: All right, here we are. Welcome to the Roller Out the Barrel show. It's me, the Barrel Roller, your host, Matthew Bernard, also co-hosted by, what's your name, Rudy.
1: That is that is right, it's Rudy Sponbox-Breathe here. Hello, everyone.
0: And uh, we usually talk to vintage baseball players from Coast to Coast, Border to Border, but we are going outside of the box today, as we do about once every two months. You've heard us interview... Uh, People like Scott Hopgood, the high school pitching coach of Steven Strasburg. We've had Bobby Valentine, which you know from fake mustache fame. We've talked to Andrew Romine, former Detroit Tiger. The Detroit Tigers, of course, my heart. And uh, Rudy, of course, on the dark side, rooting for the Yankees. So we have an interesting guest today. Uh, We love 90s uh, and 2000s baseball. It's like our... uh, It's our sweet spot. And uh, so with us today, let me just give him the appropriate introduction that he deserves. Our guest today was the 118th pick in the fourth round in the 1999 draft of the Texas Rangers. He was inducted into the University of Delaware Hall of Fame in 2005, the Fighting Blue Hens. He was the NCAA Collegiate Player of the Year in 1998 when he led the country with 33 home runs. He was the 2002 Texas Rangers Rookie of the Year. He was AL Player of the Week in the last week of April in 2006. He spent years with the texas rangers the milwaukee brewers the toronto blue jays the washington nationals and had a cup of coffee with the hanshin tigers in japan he also hit the 50th thousandth hit in texas rangers history and was traded two days later our guest fan favorite kevin bench
2: is the show over? I mean, you just basically <laughs> went through <everything. laughs>
0: No, we have plenty to talk about. Kevin, thank you for joining the show. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing excellent if I get this video to work. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to keep messing with the video until I get it to work.
0: You keep, you keep doing that. We'll just ask the questions. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I did some, obviously, I did some research. And there's a couple of things that came up in my research, but there was one piece of research that I have to come off the top of the show with because I forgot to write it down and I'll forget by the end of this. And you're going to correct me because I'm going to have some of these facts wrong. After you left the Texas Rangers, which you were a big fan favorite of the Texas Rangers. You went to Milwaukee. It was a little bit of a different story with those fans. Did you not resign with the Texas Rangers after that, and then get traded before the season?
2: I did re-sign with them on a minor league deal in 08, and I got traded the, uh, May of 08 to Toronto, possibly. That right. I mean, the Internet's all true, so whatever you read, it, and that's right.
0: Well, so, so then I'll go ahead with my question. You're a fan favorite in Texas, and you still are. You live in Texas. I assume, I think I see pictures of you doing signings and, and public appearances because the fans loved you, and you went to Milwaukee, and you did not have that same connection. How did When you re-signed with Texas, I would assume on that minor league deal, I would assume you had this great sense of relief because you knew you already had the fans, and you could put those years... Uh, in Milwaukee behind you, and then you got traded. Was that a really low point, or did it not bother you? Did you understand it was just business?
2: I understood it's business, but it's also hard because you're you're right in the middle of a season, and they call and say, hey, you're traded. It's not as if you have a few weeks to do it. You've got to pack your stuff, and they should be on a plane that day and expected to be at the ballpark that evening playing. So it's a lot to take in. Jeff Cirillo, uh, we talked about when I first got there, he goes, it is. I don't you know. the next year when I had a full season there where I was able to kind of just settle in, you know, it, it's a whirlwind when that happens. You know, there's always the talk around trade deadlines. Are you going to go? Are you not? And it's just one of those things where it just happened out of nowhere. and here you go. You, I think they called me about 10 o'clock and said, oh, you got to be on a plane. And I'm like, I'm not even close to home. I've got to get home, get my stuff. So I ended up mistaking, I think, a five or six o'clock flight to Milwaukee getting there in the eighth inning. And they're expecting you to play right away. And uh, it's just, it's a lot, especially if, if, uh, if you're not really used to it. You know, I only knew Texas at the time. And, uh, you know, the comfort with the fans and the, and the coaches and stuff, it's, it's something new. And you basically just got to learn on the fly.
0: Kevin, you hit a home run against the Detroit Tigers on August third, two thousand and four. That's a bunch of bullshit, Rudy. Next question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Glad you're not holding any grudges. <laughs> I, you know, it's 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 a it's a pleasure to be uh, you know chatting with you, and I understand. We want to hop right into all of this, uh, as a uh, barrel roller says, meat that's on the bone as far as like topics and discussion. Uh, can we talk about like, when did, how did baseball come into your life? Like, where did you start playing baseball and, and was, uh, what was that like? I
2: had two older brothers that were 10 and 14 years older than I was. So, you know, being a little brother, uh, I was basically the, the target for anything playing uh, hockey. I was in the the old catcher's gear. Remember it was cover your whole body. So I'm out there at six and seven playing against, you know, a 17 year old and a 21 year old. We're in the driveway playing hockey, playing baseball. So I was kind of, that kind of toughened me up. And it also taught me to be able to adjust to, I mean, because my brothers weren't going to take it easy on me. And then with the baseball side of it, they just, they threw everything they could at me. So they, I just wanted to be like them. You know, they both, uh, Played baseball in college. My other brother went to Carolina. My other brother went to Delaware. But they both ended up having rotator cuff surgeries. So when I was 15, I said, you know what? I'm going to go to the outfield. And I always tell them my arm lasted an extra 20 years from what they had. So it was always one of those just watching that. And my dad played baseball at University of Maryland, too. So I wanted to be – you wanted to be just like them. And following their footsteps. But always that motivated me to be better. But, you know, it was one of those where they toughened me up and – you know, it helped me to get to where, where I am today.
0: When you are playing those games with a bunch of older kids when you're younger, we always talk about here on the show of how hard it is to actually get 18 people in the neighborhood to play an official baseball game because it never happens. You can't do it. What were some of the situations you had early in your baseball life as a kid, the rules that you had to use in order to get a baseball game in?
2: So at my, my at my my uh, house growing up we had a really big backyard and it was kind of designed where left field we we went down towards the creek we created a backstop and we used you know the basketballs to get out of basketball games the mini ones that are we use those as as baseball so and we could get out there we didn't need eighteen we could play with two with four guys so you had a pitcher and a fielder. And the ball would hit up, and it would take forever. But there's, you know, there's trees and everything else. You would figure out ways to, uh, you know, to pitch around it. And we'd have, we had. I May mean, I dug out? I took a tractor. I think I dug out base pass. My dad wasn't too happy about that. Uh, and left field was was full of trees in our in our driveway. But you could you either had to hit it over the trees or underneath it over the fence. But it was so it wasn't easy to hit the left field. So center field was the heart was. Where you want to go right field? There was just so many trees. Nobody usually hit one unless it was low on the ground. And if you did, you could run for days. So we had, we had all kinds of rules with, with that, but it was with those balls we had, it was, that was the best part of it because the wiffle balls, we would tape up with the uh, electrical tape. You remember playing with those and those things would sting and they would go a long way, but mm-hmm. the tape wouldn't last. So my dad was a principal of the high school. And so we had a bunch of those basketballs. So we used those in our backyard and those things lasted forever.
0: Uh, trivia question. Do you remember your first hit, the date of it, and who it was off of?
2: Uh, actually, I don't have the ball right here. Uh, It was off Corey Lytle, because I remember the guys that grabbed the baseball. I think Ishmael Valdez had grabbed it, and they had put, uh, first, first major league hit off Corey the scab Lytle. Uh, they wrote just a bunch of trash on it. It just messing around. It wasn't the actual ball, and uh, <laughs> I wonder, was it April 10th? 9th, 10th, I don't. I can barely remember last week. So the
0: was, so the internet has it wrong because obviously you're going to know who your first hit is is off of. The internet has your first hit being off of Nate Field on May twenty sixth, two thousand and two. Why is that wrong? What are they thinking? I don't, uh, who knows. It's, knows, the where, it's the internet. Where it? it's, all, it's all true. It's all true. It's, <laughs> you've been wrong all oh this time. You have the wrong ball. <laughs> they must have called that first hit and error, and then you didn't play for a month.
2: <laughs> that, that, that sounds about right. Wow. <laughs> I, I mean, I understand missing by a little bit, but gosh, oh, five weeks, six weeks. I was,
0: I was fooled by the internet, but I wrote it down. I'm like, I don't think you waited until... May, the end of May, but I could be wrong and I wasn't. Tell us about how your career went in high school. It obviously went swimmingly as you became an elite uh, athlete on the major league baseball level, but go ahead and flex and tell us about all of your dingers in high school.
2: We didn't have a fence in our field in high school, it was just a hill. You hit it down the hill and it would just roll. All the way down to the street. So when we when we would play in the field, we would hide a ball down on the hill. So if somebody was oh, on oh no, so, <laughs> no, no, just low enough where they couldn't see you. They would no. grab it and throw it in, but so then they wouldn't be able to But they had, I think they had put a fence up since then. And uh, but yeah, there was no because it was a you know where we grew up, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of room, so it was a soccer field in right field to center, and then you had you know then you had so it was basically just two fields. But right field it had a fence, but it had to be five hundred feet away. It would go down a little gully if it went that way. But it was one of those. So it was it was crowned. It was probably like a fifteen, twenty degree slope as soon as it went down the hill. So yeah. that was a lot of it. could run it back in high school.
0: You played outfield uh at the major league level. What were you what position were you playing at the high school level?
2: I played outfield as well. I played uh uh, left
0: oh, so it sounds like this whole idea of hiding the ball on the hill was your idea. Come on, just come on with no,
1: it. No, I, so I learned from the guys before. When they had told yeah, me. Yeah, to blame it, it on the upper class. There you go. Yeah, I was, I was,
2: you know, I was the sophomore playing varsity with those guys. So they were, they said, yeah, here you go. Just, just we can do it this way and everything else. But yeah, no, you had to run. So it wasn't one of those things where you could just take your sweet time. It was, it was, you had to run forever.
0: Did you ever run over the hill after somebody hit it, thinking that you were going to get the hidden ball and it wasn't there, and then you had to follow the real ball?
2: Uh, not that I can recall, but I'm sure something. You know, some of the.
0: You guys were proficient in your in your in your cheating then. Okay.
2: Yeah, we usually left field too the, <laughs> the right field when it wouldn't happen. You know, you would go down there or something. Even even if it did. Or at some point, it get, if, if it wasn't there and it went down the hill, you just throw it further down the street because there was no point going back up the hill with it. At that point, they probably insert the bases three or four times.
0: Uh, as you can tell by our format, we bounce around uh, a lot, and we're going no, to continue to do that. That's
2: right. That's, it's just the, the ADP show. I like it. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: So your name came up recently in a lot of uh, baseball news because of my – now, I did not contact you because of the Mike Trout – consecutive game home run streak i did not but it is coincidental that i started contacting you during the mike trout uh seven game consecutive streak and i saw a quote by you that you're hoping that he break goes on and breaks your record and all that stuff and that's very pc of you kevin but let's face it the best case scenario for kevin mensch was that mike trout stopped right on seven so now for the for the for the rest of history it's mike trout who's considered the modern-day Babe Ruth by some, but he's definitely a, a top-of-the-line player right now. Uh, it's going to be Mike Trout hit a home run in seven st- straight games, the same as Kevin Mench. You wanted him to stay on seven, Kevin. Say it. Tell me the truth.
2: No, not at all. Records are meant to be broken. They're meant to be broken. And uh, the, the thing about the list is they were all left-handed hitters or switch hitters. I was the first righty to do it. And if it was going to be anybody, it would be somebody that – I, I know Mike's dad. He went to Delaware. He's a Delaware guy. And Mike grew up in South Jersey, you know, 10 miles from where I grew up. So it was – and he's an Eagles fan too on top of it. So it, it was good uh, that he was able to do it. And he tied the record in Cleveland where I tied the record, where I set the record. So it was it was one of those things where – and I, when the streak had started, you know, it was the whole shoe thing. We had gone to Seattle. I hit a ball. I think I missed going out by about – Three or four inches at the top of the wall, so that could have been eight if it would have been that, you know. But
0: but during your streak, you hit. Is it correct that you hit two grand slams in those seven? I don't know. Maybe. Wow, you don't remember that? Do you remember? It was it the internet that got me again? God
2: damn it! You ask the internet; it might be. I don't know. Okay. Okay.
0: But this fact is gonna be right. Is it true that the start of your streak coincided with a change of your shoe size?
2: Oh gosh. I guess everybody wants to say that. That that's if that's what you want to do. It's funny the doctor who had done this it would looked at it and gave me the injection the first told me said, uh, because if you put me on the map, because USA Today I guess did an article, it was in his office or whatnot. But I remember coming back here, leaving. we left Anaheim to come back here to get a shot, and Dr. Meister put the injection in my toe, and I almost kicked him in the face. But from that moment on, I haven't had any issues with my toe, and that's when the shoe thing went over. So I could, you can could probably say it's the doc. He did a good job, and he shot my foot up.
0: Okay, so yes, there was multiple, multiple articles that said because you switched from a 12 to a 12 and a half, it's it, yeah. Yeah. So kind we'll of
2: true. Think about the shoes though. Anything over a twelve, the half sizes have to be special ordered. So was either a twelve or a thirteen. Oh. You now they I mean now I think they're starting to make more twelve, but when we were growing up, they didn't have that option. It was one or the other. So my parents think, oh we'll just jam them in a smaller shoe. And here we go. So basically it's their fault. They set me up for it. <laughs>
0: All right, in college, obviously I stated in your intro that you were the collegiate baseball national player of the year when he hit thirty-three home runs. Was it hard getting on the map scout from scouts playing at a place like the University of Delaware?
2: Um, no, I don't not that I know of. I just you know, it's one of those things where you don't think about it. And I actually just put on got on their radar when we were from Bob Boone that told me when they were playing up in, uh, we were playing up at Northeastern and Carlos Pena was there and I hit a couple of home runs. I think that was the year I tied the school record halfway through my sophomore year and they were looking at Carlos and that's when he goes, that's when you jumped on our radar. It was that year. And I said, oh, okay. I I didn't, you know, I didn't have, And my coach had played triple A ball. Um, my, my assistant coach, my head coach had been around for, Coach Hanna, well, he was getting closer to a thousand wins. So the program had been, you know, been around, and guys had played minor league ball, and I had a lot of those coaches around that were helping me. So it wasn't as if it was just some obscure place. It wasn't up in the middle, of, you know, Alaska. So there were, you know, there were programs that, came to, like I said, um, I think I don't know if, Jeff, if Mike, if Jeff Trout played the minor league ball. Uh, we had a couple of first round picks. We went through the College World Series in the mid seventies. So. I mean, the program is, has done well. It's just the pitching that we've always had issues with because these big the ACC schools come up and just pluck everybody away.
0: Uh, is the University of Delaware in Wilmington? It's in Newark. Uh, how far away from Wilmington is that?
2: Uh, about, about eight miles, ten miles.
0: Oh, okay. So there's a restaurant in Wilmington on the water called the Tap Room. I have – Yep. I have family that lives in Wilmington. So when I was in high school, uh, we made a little trip to the coast and we went to the tap room and my parents bought me a t-shirt from the tap room. And then I wore it in my junior year pictures for high school. And they were irate because it was a, a t-shirt for a bar that a 16 year old kid was wearing in the, in his pitcher. And that's my memory of Delaware. Okay uh Kevin, you recently started you recently started a uh, a podcast of your own called the Big head Pod back and I think you started it in July. Tell us yes. tell us everything leading up to your decision to start your own podcast what it's about and how it's been going.
2: Well uh, a friend of mine came to me and just asked if I'd be interested in, in doing something on the baseball side. We have all four sports covered. I do the baseball. Craig Ludwig does hockey. Derek Harper does basketball, and Isaiah back and Nate Newton do the football side. And they just said, "Let's just let's just try this and see." And uh, I said, "Okay, I mean, I could sit down with guys and just chop it up, and you know, unfiltered, unscripted talk, and just see if it's something to do." I said, "Okay, I mean, if somebody wants to sit down and talk, I can do that." And that's just how it came about. And they asked about well, what do you want to name your show. And I said, mm-hmm. but, "You know, just started thinking. Uh, what about?" They wanted to incorporate the big head thing, so I said, Okay, the big head pod. And then a buddy of mine, one of the guys goes, Well, kind of like Big Head Todd and the Monsters. I said,
0: Yeah.
2: With the big head pod. He said, Okay. I said, Yeah, I remember Big Head Todd the Monsters growing up.
0: Uh. So
2: that's how I came up with a name for it. And uh that's it, really. And here we are. Doing stuff, get on there have different guests each week. Just- <laughs>
0: Where yeah. where can everybody check this podcast uh, out? You
2: can, you can go on the uh, and I think it's on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube. I think it's on YouTube.
1: I don't know. I'm new to all this. Like I said, I can't get my camera to work. You guys are <laughs> <in the laughs> <week. laughs> hey, you're, you're already ahead of the game because the most difficult thing in the podcast game is coming up with a good name. So you've got a great name.
0: However, uh, that is low-hanging fruit, and we will now address the name of the Big Head Pod. That's for every other show in the history to ever interview you talks about, and we're going to move past it. Here we go. There was a time in your life you had a very important decision to make because you were a hockey player, you were a baseball player, you had to make the decision to go towards baseball because you thought you had a better future in it. Tell us what that time in your life was like.
2: I love, I love, I'm always a hockey guy. That's my, that's my one sport that I love. I do that as much as I can. And I would do it in the off season as far as training and stuff to keep my, just to keep my body up to what, you know, what was going through but at the same time getting different muscle groups. I grew up playing hockey until I was about 15 when my parents said, you've got to make a decision, hockey or baseball. So I always tell people, bus rides across Canada, bus rides across the U.S. So, you know, here I am now. A, uh, a teammate of mine I grew up playing hockey with, Actually ended up playing in the NHL for a while. Uh, Mark Ekey won the Stanley Cup with Pittsburgh in 09, and he was actually a really good baseball player. And we got inducted into the state hall of fame the same time. So I remember I actually called him and told him, I said, hey, let's let's go do this together so we can you know so we can be up there. So it was you know, it was good. And, you know, two kids, and then going into the hall of fame, I got a chance to see him here in Dallas for a goal. <laughs> so I mean it's one of those things, you know, two kids from the first state of- you know, there aren't many professional athletes like there are from these other bigger states, but, you know, here we are and, and seeing this happen. It's, you know, it's one of those things as, as kids, that's what you dream about dealing with. And then if yeah, they come out when they would play with spring training, they would be out playing, when he was with Nashville, they'd be out playing uh, the Coyotes and they'd come out to spring training, come out, and take batting practice and stuff. So, you know, it's just a good relationship I had with, with those guys. And I, like I said, I love hockey. You see, you see the hockey guys around here all the time.
0: So back when you were playing baseball, you would play hockey in the offseason. Was there not anything in contracts back then yet about doing things like that? I mean, it seems like playing hockey for a baseball player would be frowned upon by the the powers that be.
2: No, it was it was more of a just a drop in with the guys. And they knew out there, you, you know, you're you right, though, there are those knuckleheads that are just looking to take a run at somebody. And um, well, I was fortunate enough not to do that because then. Plus, it was during the day. It's at night when the guys were out drinking beer, playing in the beer lake. It wasn't the beer lake hockey. It was dropped in during the day, so I'd go over there in the mornings and skate for you know for a few hours just to get the cardio and uh, and just just something to do to burn some energy while I was over there. So I had a lot of fun doing it. Granted, they do write that stuff in. They don't like guys to ride motorcycles, and I mean you see these guys. They say they fell down the stairs and then they wrecked. Actually, wrecked their their four wheelers <laughs> and stuff, right? Yeah, so that's what they're trying to avoid, get away from. You know, don't ski. Yeah, they can write anything really they want to in the
0: contract. Uh, on August seventh, two thousand and two, uh, you went two for three with an RBI and a walk against the Tigers. I don't appreciate that. Hey, if you could go back in time, uh, if you could go back in time to early Kevin Mench, uh let's say let's say college, uh, fighting Blue Hen Kevin Mench, and you could say, listen, you're going to make it to the major leagues, but you need to practice this one thing more and practice this one thing less. What would they be?
2: Um, for going from today's game? About today's game, played? Sure.
0: Sure. Whatever way you want to go.
2: Uh, gosh, because – let me see. Because they don't – see. They don't uh, – I guess it would be less beer. Less beer. They don't be the asked I now. They're, they don't, they're not even allowed to eat anything bad, are they? I, <laughs> no. And, and, and we, we talk about this all the time, and, and what guys are taught, how they're taught to play. The game has just changed. I don't, gosh, I don't even know. What would be?
0: They're not even allowed football? to watch hockey <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for fear I, of injury.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. It's just a matter of, I mean, the,
0: is there where, is there one thing that you think that if that you should have practiced a little bit more uh to hone your skill before you got to the major leagues that you wish you would have maybe tried a little harder in one area
2: no not, not that i can really think of just because it's it's an evolving process as you go through you know how your body you know maintains how you can and that was a Our bodies are all different. Everybody's bodies are are able to hold up differently, you know, moving forward. And mine was only able to to take it for for so long. And I'm I'm paying for it now. I get bad knees, back, you know, shoulders, everything. You know, and it was one of those things where you try to do what you could to make sure your body could withstand it. You know, that the amount of time and the travel. I know they've changed scheduling now where we used to go on two week road trips, you know, from we'd go from, I think one time we went from Texas to Seattle, Seattle, Houston, Houston, Oof. Cleveland, Cleveland, Boston, all star break. That's took like The same year we went, you know, the next year we went Detroit, Kansas City, Philadelphia, Miami home. You know, that's a lot to put on. You know, now they, they do these two games here and then they come home for two games or something. You know, they've changed it all up and it's just become. So it's it's different in that because then also it used to be a mom and pop that did the scheduling. Now it's all computer generated. And that's and that's changed a lot of the things up when they they've gotten away from these road trips. A lot you used to have the wraparound series, you know, you play third Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday. So you'd have a day game in Cleveland on Sunday and they wouldn't play again until Monday night. So you really it's just kind of a waste uh-huh. of doing it. So um uh, you know, unless it was a
0: place like Detroit, you could go to the casino. Yeah, speaking of Detroit, on uh, May 12, 2002, uh, you had a, a hit and two walks in RBI. The unmitigated gall, sir, of you. Uh,
1: <laughs> wait, wait, let's just point out number one, you're going a little hard on him. And I. I just want to point out on April 23rd, 2005, you went 3-for-5 with a home run and a double and two RBIs and a win over the Yankees. So why do you hate me?
0: Oh, but, um Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> uh, in 2009, uh, you, you had a cup of coffee with the Hanshin Tigers. I don't know anything about this. Uh, it doesn't appear that you played. I don't know if you were injured. Tell me everything about that year.
2: That was just a whirlwind. It's kind of like being traded, where you go over there, and it's it's a whole new game You got to learn to play. It, you know, rule how they run things differently, and it's just and it's and how much they give you. It's more. It's all input, input, input. It's just it's it's overwhelming, you know. And but that's what the game is turning into now. It seems like everything that's there seems to come over here. So I was there for I don't know six months, five months, six months, and then that was it. They they did, they didn't expect to go there and hit eight home runs a day, you know, and, and try and learn this whole new system, a new way of playing baseball in a few short weeks. And it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff to take on. So, you know, I had fun when I was there and the people and stuff. But going go back, have you ever seen Mr. Baseball?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, That's I was exact- just going to bring that up.
2: That's exactly how it's run over there.
0: So – so the uh, so the crowds over there are into the game the entire time. It's like a it's like a college football tailgate in the stands the entire time, It's just noise. Is that right?
2: Yes, they only cheer for their own team, and every every player has their own their own chant. And uh, so our team was like the uh, we were the Red Sox over right there, and and then you have. The Giants were like the Yankees, so we would sell out everywhere we go. They, we would get money for every sellout. They put wow. money in their locker for every time the game was sold out. Nice, and it was nuts. They would sell out everywhere we went, and it's it's and it the passion, the amount, of, and just the energy that the people bring is it's unbelievable. Being over there and watching it, it's it's a lot. It's intense, but it's also fun just to see them and to see how they uh, how they really go about the baseball side of it. I mean, so put it this way, where we were in Hanson, we got kicked out for the high school baseball t- tournament. That's how, that's where we, the, the major league team over there is on the totem pole. High school gets precedent over professional. Wow. Because they have a huge tournament over there. The one you hear about when Dice K threw the, the two consecutive yeah. games. On yeah. The same yeah, that tournament.
0: Wow. Yep, they
2: kick us out for that week for, I think it's, I think kind it's of a week or two week when it starts.
1: That's amazing. And you know, you've talked about travel, you're you're talking about currently your time in in, in Japan and everything. Um, so I'm gonna frame this question of how was your wife handling all of the travel and in the sense that like how did you meet your wife and did was she aware of like this is gonna be my commitment as travel for as long as I have a career.
2: So when, when I was in Japan, she was pregnant. So she was only allowed, she was only over for about six weeks. So she flew over about March. Maybe I think right when the season was starting, I was there for about six weeks and I had to fly back. Um, so she didn't, didn't have a chance to travel over there very much. And uh, so I met her. Her, her brother played, in the, was, with, was with the Rangers, played with the White Sox one of World Series with the White Sox. So I met her at his wedding. And then here we are almost 16 years later. Three kids. And, you know, she knew what it was, the baseball side of it, understanding. So when uh, she's a dental hygienist, we would go on. If I was in Milwaukee, she'd come up for a little bit. And then the season would be over. She'd come home and she would work. So it was just, she understood the travel stuff. She would, You know, here and there. I think our first road trip, in oh eight oh seven Milwaukee, we go to Miami
0: and it's snowing and
2: <laughs> up up there, and she's just in tears because she didn't want to be. Oh <definitely>. Texas.
0: <laughs> uh, Kevin, you've you've spent your allotted time with us, but I do have a couple of more things I want to get into before we let you go. If you're willing to hang around for a minute, absolutely. Uh, you are married to Scott Pasidnik's sister. Uh, Scott Pasidnik, I believe, was a uh, Chicago White Sox. Uh, major league baseball player. What's that relationship like between brother in law major league baseball players?
2: Um nothing really. I always was always respectful of one of those where if if you're gonna date one of your teammates when a guy's you play with their sister or whatever, you ask first. Right and say, Hey are you are you okay with this? Because you don't want to, you don't want to burn that bridge, you know, that, that, that relationship and whatnot. So, um, so, cause, you know, guys, cause as soon as it happens, somebody finds out on your team, right? They just, you just start getting just hazed forever about it. Right. So this is one of those things where, Hey, are you, are you okay with all this? Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, he's like, yeah, you know, that's where it is. So here we are now. He lives down the street from us. He probably lives about two miles from us here in Texas. So don't see him very often. You know, just, he's got kids as well, so we're always just all over the place. But uh, but it's different stories. Heck, I think when I was playing, uh, going out in a few days with Todd Helton's sister a few times. But I'd ask Todd, I'm like, hey, man, are you okay with this? You know, I, you know, I wouldn't be blindsided by any of it. So I was, I was respectful in that. I'm sure there's guys that don't until they find out later on. And, but I was at least respectful enough to ask before all that.
1: Chivalry's not dead. See, kids? Chivalry still exists. Yeah. My mom would raise me, right?
0: Uh, so this is the part of the interview where we say, hey, if you enjoyed yourself, pass this on to your, to your brother-in-law or whoever else in, in Major League Baseball and looking to get another interview. But you know what, Kevin? and I'm not, I'm not going in that direction because I saw something on the Internet, and this is the direction I'm going. Here's is the- it true that you are friends with the actor Keith David?
2: Oh my gosh! No,
1: nah. <laughs> <laughs> Do You know
2: how long ago I heard that? I, I heard somebody written something about um, it, on Wikipedia fifteen years ago that we were related or something. And I, David, yeah, Keith David. And I'm thinking, I know, I know who he is. I've seen what. what <laughs> he's, uh, been, God, he's
0: he's been in a lot of him. great movies.
2: Oh yeah. Platoon, he was the guy in, uh, oh my gosh, the, the uh, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen
0: movie. With Men at, at Work. He was that
2: Men at Work. At work. Was I, was at, it, I was thinking of the yeah, Men at Work.
0: He was in yeah. one of the yeah. greatest horror movies, The Thing. He was in Armageddon. He yeah. was in two of the Riddick movies. He's yeah. one he of the greatest character voice. actors of all time. Yeah.
2: Something about Mary. Is it
0: the front? Yeah. Of the And you aren't friends (laughs) with him. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to Scott Besidnik then. Anyway.
2: (laughs) The the only actor that I've actually been been friends with is Jeff Stoltz. He's a a Detroit guy.
0: Okay. Jeff Stoltz?
2: Yep, Jeff Stoltz. He's a Detroit guy, an actor. He comes in here for Dirk's Heroes event every year. If I had my camera work, I'd show you a
0: picture. <laughs> <laughs> camera didn't work. You won't see it's this. Ep- still you won't see this episode released on the YouTube channel. But well, that's all right because the audio is the main point. Uh, Kevin, before we get you out of here, we do a thing called giving you the old pepper, where I am just going to give you a bunch of uh, random questions, and uh, and you are going to give the quick answers to these. It's painless. You are going to be fine. What is your favorite food off of the grill? Steak. What is the ugliest color?
2: Any blended color. Nothing other than... I'm a generic blue-green type of guy. Turquoise and all that mixed garbage crap.
0: Name a song on your playlist that people would be shocked is on there.
2: Oh, gosh. Something. Don't have any. I don't
0: think. Have you ever ridden a horse?
2: No, camel. Yes.
0: Where is the last vacation you went on with your family?
2: South Padre Island.
0: Have you ever been attacked by an animal? Yes. Oh, let's stop the show.
1: Yeah. What's
0: what, What's going
2: tell, on there? Tell us about that. But. Are we talking, I mean, a dog or just, what kind of oh. animal? Are we talking
0: a bear? Anything. <laughs> An animal.
2: Have you been attacked by a bear? No. Nah.
0: Have you been yeah. attacked by a dog?
2: Yeah, I got bit by a dog. My own dog.
0: <laughs> your own dog bit you. Were you teasing your dog?
2: <laughs> Probably playing with her food or something.
0: Dog. Here we go. Uh, what is your favorite condiment? Ooh. Damn. Who's the most famous person you've ever met?
2: The President Bush.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Will yeah. you actually listen to this podcast episode? After today? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> after today. <laughs> <laughs> What was... Yeah,
2: as I nod my head, (laughs) yeah.
0: Okay, well, we can't see that. (laughs) What was the first car you had?
2: A Chevy Bronco. Chevy Blade. Sorry, Chevy Blade.
0: What was your favorite wood for your baseball bats?
2: Maple.
0: Do you believe in aliens? Yes. What is your Mount Rushmore? So give me your four or some of the four, because, you know, you don't want to offend, like, the fifth guy or whatever. Your favorite, your personal favorite Major League Baseball players of all time. Give us your Mount Rushmore.
2: Oh, gosh, for me. Okay. Um, just going by guys that I watch. I'll just stay in my area. I get to watch. Sure. Mike Mike Schmidt.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I'm going to have to throw Albert on there. Who holds? A... Cal Ripken, and
1: probably Tony Gwynn. That's a hell of a mountain.
0: Tony Gwynn used to do batting practice in a swimming pool. Did you ever try to do that?
2: I've swung a batting pool before. See? But that, that takes away from my swimming.
0: <laughs> and last <laughs> question is, what was the first concert you ever attended? Metallica. Good one uh kevin thank you so much for joining our show uh we appreciate you you. that's well i mean we hey i i think we said a half an hour we'll keep talking we can i can talk to you for much longer i i got i don't work today <laughs> i got more do you want more kevin
1: i don't know up there being quiet he's just laughing he was holding a baseball a minute ago Oh well, yeah, no. I'm so uh, for the, let the people behind the curtain, as you can hear in the background, my uh, two-year-old daughter. Uh, <laughs> the sitter wasn't available, so I'm just trying to respect everybody and not have the background noise of a two-year-old. So, but no, it's, this has that been great character for the show. Yeah. yeah, that's that's true. That's very true. It absolutely does. This has been a delight, dude. I cannot. I mean, this is amazing.
0: You definitely classed up our act a little bit. Who's the next guest uh, coming on the, the big head podcast.
2: Uh, Shay Hillebrand.
0: Oh, I know. I recognize that name.
2: Yeah. He's got a, uh, he's got a pretty good, pretty good story coming up. It'll be put out tomorrow. Wait, today, tomorrow. Yes. be out Tomorrow. He's got a really good story to tell. So it's, uh, that's what it's about. I've I've had some, some colorful characters on there for sure. Uh, between it, it's just a matter of, you know, you got to, I can't, you can't get that too much, right? You got to stay a little bit more PC right now because it's uh, some of the guys, you know, people are on there. I had John Rocker, good buddy. Mine was on there. Jeff Fry. I had, uh, I think Orlando was on there last week, Hudson. So I got a bunch of different guys. So I'm going to start to change it up. I got some other special guests coming up here as well.
0: Now you say you, you approach all four sports on your podcast. Is that all done in the same episode? Are you hitting all the sports in the same episode?
2: No, no, I'll go different ones. Just depends on the guest and, uh, and, and where we go from there. So it, it, it just varies. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that have played different, multiple sports, you know, different sports other than baseball that, you know, have a story to tell about how they got to where they are. You know, so that's what I'm, what I'm trying to do. Just trying to, there's, like so there's not much thought that goes to it. It's just a matter of letting people just, you know, just be themselves and just hang out and see, and see what the guys are doing. Uh, you know, I see some of the guys that I don't see as much. Because where we live, we have a large contingent of former players. I think our our alumni chapter has been running here for about 25 years. It's run by a guy named Jack Rosorco, pitched in the big league front. I think he pitched with Detroit, didn't he? Was it Detroit?
0: What was the name? Jack what? Lazorco. Uh, it doesn't ring a bell to me. Uh, that might show some sort of weakness in my fandom if if this turns out to be true. But I did you know, think you were friends yeah. how, with. Keith how dedicated
1: David. of a fan are you? Come
0: on. <laughs> I'm googling it. Uh, maybe he just wasn't very good. Is that possible, Kevin? I don't, know. Jack.
2: Le- he played, he was, a, he was a pitcher, he played, he pitched like, he, but when he was defending, like he was a hockey goalie, because he was a hockey guy from Jersey.
0: Jack Lazingo? Lazorco, L-A-Z-O-R. Huh, Lazorco.
1: a go- while he does a Google search, did you find some of your hockey instincts and trainings being beneficial in baseball? I mean, you mentioned about getting cardio in, but like, did that ever like, you're like, ooh, hockey helped me do this in baseball. It,
2: it helped. It's just different muscles that are used. And, uh, I had an oblique strain in 03, 04, I don't know. And then I think, and then, oh, I don't know, one of those years. And so I went through the wintertime just making sure I was just to continue to do it because the stress that's put on it daily and hoc, playing hockey helped out with that ever since then. Uh, you know, it helped out tremendously of, uh, of being able to do that.
0: Jack Lazarko was drafted in the eleventh round by the Houston Astros uh and played with the New York Mets, but no Detroit Tigers. sorry
2: no Detroit. sorry I do I hear the tiger for you from my home state John Walkenfuss.
0: uh John Walkenfuss is actually somebody that we were trying to get on the show until his unfortunate uh recent passing, so yeah. he'd been having some health problems and uh but was somebody that we were, we were unaware of his health problems and we were trying to get him on the show. So that that's a missed opportunity uh, for us. Uh, Kevin, do you realize the audience you're talking to uh, mainly – main nobody
2: main, right now? We're not recording.
0: Is, <laughs> no, actually, it's, it's vintage baseball, and there is no vintage baseball in Texas that we are aware of. But vintage baseball is a community from coast to okay. coast of, of people that play baseball – by the rules of the 19th century, generally the 1860s, which means we don't use gloves, Okay. but it's hardball. So we're, we are playing baseball by the rules of when baseball started. So like in 1864, we have some teams that were, this is how baseball started is wherever you, if you caught the ball on a bounce anywhere, in 1864, it was an out. Okay. Off of an. I've
2: seen the rule book. I've seen the rule book for that because we were we played in the Hall of Fame game three years ago. They showed us the actual rule book. It was no bigger than a golf scorecard. Right. Yeah. That's yep. bigger. Yeah. So.
0: And then baseball obviously goes from there and it starts becoming more competitive because that's what men do and that's what men are. So in 1867, you start having to catch the ball in the air with your bare hands uh, in fair territory, still catching it on a bounce in foul territory. So anyway, that's mainly uh, the audience that you have connected with today is uh, hundreds and somewhat, some would say thousand of huge baseball fans, uh, a lot around our age group that know the name Kevin Mensch And we're very excited uh, to have this episode drop, so we thank do you. you.
2: Guys play with shoes, or what are you playing with? I mean, you got what kind of gear are you talking about on your
1: yeah, feet? We're, yeah, we're still. I mean, like you <laughs> know, Joe Jackson type stuff
2: in the dirt. dirt.
0: Before that, <laughs> yeah. it's before yeah. Joe Jackson.
1: There are some hardcore people that will do the uh, like a dress boot with metal spikes, like nails in the in the soles. But okay. for the most part, people are just popping on some modern-day cleats but spray-painting them all black just so they don't stand out. Or if you're, all, you're a rebel, you wear a, a, an all-white shoe. But, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that's, that's pretty much what we're working with. I mean, most of the uniforms are based off of actual teams that existed, and if not, if it's a club that somebody's coming up with, you try to stay true to what – what a uniform would have looked like in the 19th century
2: same material too the whole on full on wool uniform no you some, can't some d- people are crazy and S- go full some wool some do
0: yeah. that but you can't do that because it's too hot so you're playing uh, baseball in this <laughs>
2: Uh,
0: if you're going to go nostalgic, you better go all the way. Well, I don't like this, this yes, this, but and then you'll get taken off the field in a in a very period accurate gurney of which everyone's carrying you uh, to the ambulance attached to a horse as they take you off to the hospital because you've got heat stroke.
1: <laughs> I love I love that. I love that Kevin is speaking to a contention <laughs> in the community because like there is a there's a part of the community that is obsessed with baseball and hockey. Like those are their two sports. And then there's a contention of the community that is like all about the authenticity. Like, no, we're doing everything like it was done in 19th century. So you're speaking to a really, uh, a really strong portion of our community.
2: What about, you know, remember hockey, back? they didn't have boards. They had fans that just hung around on the outside, right? That's all they were. Oh, flat wow. ice and people standing around and, you know, no match. So there you go. We can do the hockey thing, too. I'm sure we can
1: find some guys that'll...
0: Is there not a, a vintage hockey league out there somewhere? It should exist.
1: Uh, I, that sounds dangerous.
0: <laughs> it does sound well, dangerous.
2: Baseball guy, but I guess, You're what so- kind of bats are you using? Are you going out and cutting down your own trees
1: and...
0: <laughs> oh my God! That's a realistic so, question, but the bats aren't that much different
1: yeah no well there there are some bats that are uh like I said, people strive for authenticity, so they're working with like a forty ounce forty inch bat that has no barrel and like so you know there are people that will swing some pretty authentic lumber, but for the most part, you know laser cut rock maple uh but made to look vintage. They don't, you know, we don't cup or have like crazy paint jobs. Hill, what was it?
2: Hillrich and Brad? What were they? Who made it? Louisville Slugger. Is it Hillerich? Yeah. Hill- huh And Brad? Yeah. I forget the name of it. You Most know what of, I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of bats are provided by, um well, there's, I mean, gosh, there are a lot of vintage baseball bat companies. Oh, bat makers. I should not say companies, but mainly like Phoenix bat started producing and the Cooperstown bat company in the early nineties started producing vintage baseball bats. So okay. what about vintage baseball? Those, there's,
0: the the balls yeah. have been, uh, I tell you, there's a lot of people in the community that make their own balls by hand because that's a hand spun. Uh There's a couple of companies actually overseas that uh, some people get balls from, uh, The thing about a vintage baseball from back then, Kevin, is that you had to use the same ball for the entire match. Whether you hit it in a creek, because we didn't play on baseball fields. It was a field. It was just a field. Uh, No matter what happened to that ball during the match, you had to finish the match with it. So if it went in a creek, you got to go in and get it. And you got to play with it. And uh, these... Some of these balls, uh, what we've generally dealt with over the last decade is a ball that will start off uh, very hard, like a hard ball, the same. But then as the match goes on, it softens up a little bit. Uh, But still, there's a lot of third basemen out there, and let me address this. Why are you guys throwing it to your first baseman so hard? Don't you care about his health? Anyway, the first baseman's (laughs) got to catch the ball with no glove, and in the beginning parts of the game where the ball's at its hardest, that's just that's just mean. Throwing a piss rocket over there to first base when the ball is still at its hardest. But that hard ball that you're used to, Kevin, that's how it feels at the beginning of our matches and then we'll slowly uh we'll slowly lose some luster.
2: Do they use their hat to
1: catch it instead of their hand? Are they allowed to do that? No. 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 I mean it you can, but it won't be ruled it out, so
0: but yeah, and you have to relearn how to catch a baseball. It's not you, and you've played a lot of outfield in your time, obviously. But you'd have a hard time for even even with your skill level being so high, it would take you a little bit because the hands you would have to adjust where you put your hands when the ball came in and you wouldn't be used to it right away.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: but it's uh. It's sweeping the nation, I should say, except in Texas. I was going to tell you, you you currently play in like a – do you play in a, a fast-pitch baseball league right now?
2: No. No. I don't play any of that stuff. Golf and softball. Nice. The baseball thing, I'm yeah, – no more of that. No more trying to do that. That's why I do go out there and hurt. I'm, my body – some days my body feels like it's 80, other days it's like it's 20, but usually I'm about in the 60s.
0: When you're out there playing softball, is this slow pitch softball that you're playing?
2: I try not to. People always ask me to come out. When I do, I'm afraid I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> you, just, you, you hit a ball at somebody and ten feet past them, and then they react. You just go, "No, I I can't be doing this." <laughs> I don't want to do just because of uh, or the ones where you can't hit a home run, you have to. So I try and hit it to right center, and I end up hitting it at the pitcher's head, and they get all mad. I'm doing it on purpose. Oh. Oh, so, it's just the celebrity stuff that we do. Uh, the softball that we did. There's a, we do a big one here this year. We did the ballpark for, uh, for military and, uh, and, uh, child trafficking charities that we do to help, you know, help combat all this stuff. So we did that, but we're trying to do that. The big ballpark is this new ballpark here. in Arnold. the ball. This doesn't travel well. Like I said, the old one,
1: uh-huh. so, uh,
2: huh. uh, trying to hit softballs, you just, you said, you don't have the, the strength anymore like you did 20 years ago to, to hit it at people, so. Wow. But, yeah, no, we don't have, you know, there's always the guys that, that want to hang. There are some guys that play in adult baseball leagues. Yeah. Right? They're trying to get me to come play in it. I said, no, I'm not going to play. <laughs> i just watch.
0: I'll just watch. i uh, Ru- watch. Rudy, when Kevin was a member of, the Rangers that's when he did most of his damage against the Yankees but I just thought I'd like to bring this to your attention in 2008 as a member of the Toronto Blue Jays Kevin Mensch went two for three with two doubles a walk and he stole a base uh against your beloved New York Yankees how do you feel about that
1: okay number one I'm not I'm not a crazed Yankees fan I because I live in Columbus Ohio so like I'm not and the only reason I'm a Yankees fan, because everybody gives me crap, is because the Yankees farm team was here in Columbus for many years. So I grew up with the Yankees in my town. But I'm happy that Kevin had such success.
0: <laughs> but um, He stole a base against yeah, no, okay. the Yankees.
2: But <laughs> you were in Ohio, you had Cleveland, you had Cincinnati. Which one?
1: Well, because well I the ballpark so, closer. Well, the, the the Clippers, the ballpark was literally a ten minute drive from my house, and the Yankees would come to play the Triple A team every summer, so you could sit and you could come see. Like, I you know, I saw Jeter play. I saw um, Mariano Rivera and Posada play before they got called up. So, like, it was kind of like I felt a connection to them. And everybody says, yeah, Yankee. I mean, the Indians and Cincinnati. I I get it. I get it.
2: There's probably at least eight or
1: nine
0: teams that are closer than you than New York City. I know. I know. Here in uh here I live in Saginaw, Michigan, and we live right next to Midland, Michigan, which is home of the single A developmental Great Lakes loons of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And Rudy, I do not care about the Dodgers. Well,
1: here's the thing. <laughs> and I've Number seen
0: one. I've seen Clayton Kershaw and I've okay. seen D. Gordon.
1: Oh, oh. Okay, number one, I'm a baseball fan. My favorite baseball player of all time, Nolan Ryan. So I'm a fan of the game. Do I root for the Yankees? Yes, I do. But I appreciate and love good baseball. So that's That's my uh, qualifier.
0: Uh, Kevin, bringing up the Toronto Blue Jays, do you have any memories from that season with the Toronto Blue Jays? Uh, Maybe something that sticks out?
2: Um, No, not really because it was more of just an up and down. Type of type of thing that year. Um. Now the the biggest memory I have is the the, the place that I rented the house from. The guy from Jamaica actually he just sent me a message the other day. It's a police officer up in Toronto. Now he wants to come down to his new. He just built his house in Jamaica on the beach. I'm ready to go down there. Wow.
0: <laughs> nice, Uh You yeah. should take Keith David with you, and you'll have a great vacation.
2: Uh... <laughs> <Your best friend. laughs> well, the vacation has and- up, in uh, upper, upper Michigan, up there in Peninsula. I'm going to come
0: up to Michigan instead. If you, so you come up, uh, Kevin, if you ever come up to Michigan, you come up between May and September, and I'll put you in a vintage baseball game and take real no. good, yes, and take real good Don't care of you, so you can unleash the hounds. As there's no fence that you have to worry about taking your power away from you, and I'll let you come up here and crush.
1: <laughs> it, it, it it in theory it should be a lot safer than softball because it is like a baseball field, ninety feet you got your people you know you can spread out and you take care of people, so you don't have to worry about that have that guilty conscience of like sending somebody to the e r
0: no we'll just play him at d h you can bat <laughs> more people than there are fielders we'll bring kevin Mench in. uh we'll play him at d h he doesn't have to worry about getting hit by that ball, and he can just worry about hitting everybody with that ball off of his bat with his manhood. Kevin, does that sound like a good time?
1: It's just...
2: I only have one speed, and that's the problem. And that's just, I can't you know, take it off. I'm sure... Are there any professional, ex-professional guys that play? There's been a couple. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, it's... You get in there and try and hurt somebody, and nobody's going to want to feel it or catch it. So what are the scores of these games? Are we talking, uh, you know, like one a football here in Texas, ninety five to
1: seventy four? You could like, yeah, like so in a sixty four game in theory, it's going to be a slower scoring game because the you got the one bound out uh, factor. Yeah. In a sixty seven game where it's a fly game, it's essentially it looks a lot like just regular baseball. You're going to see scores like I played a score. I played a game in May of this year. The score was thirty six to twenty nine. So yeah, you could you could see a, a pretty decent football score
0: however the guys that play the 67 style up here in the midwest tend to be more competitive and skilled so
1: that's true very true
0: you know anybody just about anybody could play a 64 game maybe not well but just about anybody could get away with playing in a 64 game but 67 you got to have some skill uh right am i wrong on that rudy
1: no, you're not. You're not wrong. But let me just say that there are a lot of skilled clubs throughout the country because we don't need those emails or comments that 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 can play both errors across the country.
0: Yeah. No, you can play them both, but anyway, yeah. Kevin definitely so, would crush six, in sixty-seven. Six
2: inches was, was, came out when? When was the one Six inches. When did that?
1: Was that? That uh, error. Sixty feet extension for the pitcher's mound. Ah, um, you. Whew, I'm gonna guess the early twentieth century because in 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 nineteenth century it's a uh, forty five feet. Okay, so it is. That's what I was
0: wondering. So yeah, yeah. Rudy, forty five
1: feet, ninety foot bases. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Ru- Rudy, when we had the we had a Mightiest Striker contest in Frankenmuth over the summer, we did a vintage baseball festival. The Mightiest Striker being the equivalent of a home run derby, but obviously we don't have fences, so everything got measured. Rudy, what what was the winning measurement? Do you remember that?
1: Wasn't it just over three hundred feet?
0: So basically, Kevin would just destroy everybody in the Mightiest Striker. He, <laughs> yeah. you'd be hitting at four hundred feet. It'd be unfair. I'm Plus, that. picturing
2: like a shot put right now, I'm just trying to throw it as far <laughs> as you can. You know, just...
0: And the balls were juiced also, Kevin. So we, we'd never hide the fact that we juice our balls.
2: For some odd reason, i was just always thinking they would play with a field hockey type of ball. You know, it has the, the hard set, but it has that little ridge on it in the middle. That's what I was picturing. Almost like a cricket ball as opposed to an actual leather bound. Let's see if I can get
0: one. Yeah, can you? He
2: look at that. He Walked into the cornfield. <laughs> yeah, he just.
0: disappeared. you know what you say? The cornfield, and that there brings up that brings up oh, another yeah. question. I gotta
1: unblur my screen. No, yeah, there. Uh, so it's, it's a lemon field ball. This one's very beat up and old. This one is probably like ten years, twelve years old. And so, can you? Gonna, does
0: it move pretty good when you
1: throw it? I mean, can guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it move it it moves and operates, especially like these, these these hold up. So it like a regular baseball for most of the match. It does give as you. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm kind of squeezing it, and it has a little bit of give around the cover. But for the most part, structurally, these things go.
2: So it looks like one of those baseballs to get wet and the, and the leather gets soft. Oh, and then you can yep. turn them and Slide them around. Yeah, yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I was wondering how those things would. It, looks, it almost looks like a surgeon
0: stitched them together. You can tell the, the stitching on there. <laughs> so uh So you brought up Field of Dreams off the cuff. You ever you ever been to the Field of Dreams?
2: No, nope, I have not.
0: You need to hurry up and get there before they destroy it with all these baseball fields they're they're going to build over there. The ma- the major league one is fine, uh, but they're about to put in a youth, which I have no problem with youth baseball. Fourth
1: consulate. Yeah.
0: But uh, but in, an, uh, in a huge complex, it's going to take all the emotion out of the area. So if you like the movie, you better go as soon as possible.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like they take something that's good. Surprise! surprised somebody's made it a national monument, landmark where they can't mess with it. Right?
0: Yeah.
2: I like to do with these fields. Speaking of Detroit, the old fields, is it is the old? Stadium still there, Tiger
0: stadium Still there. they finally down. No, they they slowly. It was a a long process, but they they tore down the stadium and they left up like the oh the area between first and third base, the back the back area of the stadium stayed up for quite a few years, and then they tore that down, and so then it just became just this overrun. Kind of barren wasteland, and then we had people here in the Detroit area that cleaned it up and turned it back into a baseball field. So we would actually go and play vintage baseball on Tiger Stadium's field. Uh, still had the flagpole there that was there in center field on the field of play, and uh, and then uh, a youth group came in, bought the bought the facility, and and built a uh, beautiful youth uh, artificial grass. Bullshit! Stadium. That's great for the youth. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's no signs of Tiger Stadium left. They're all it, it's all gone. But Comerica yeah. Park is a, is a beautiful facility, so we're good.
2: Yeah, yeah. They moved the fences around in that place a bunch of different times. That's for sure. We stayed downtown. We used to stay in Dearborn. Now we, now we stay downtown at the Athenium. Is it still there, the casino? Is that right?
0: Uh, the casino's right next to Comerica Park. So you could actually walk from the Tiger game to the casino. Sounds like something that you'd like to do, Kevin.
2: No, I'm not a gambler. <laughs> honestly. I grew up an hour from Atlantic City, and I went one time of my life. I was never a uh, – that wasn't me. I was, you know, they go in there and watch. I just watch people launch all their money everywhere.
0: In D- in Dearborn, Michigan is where there's Greenfield Village and uh, inside Greenfield Village is where the largest vintage baseball tournament happens every August. Uh, Between uh is it I believe it's is it 12 teams, Rudy? Yep, yep, 12. 12 teams that play the 1867, so that's the fly, catch the ball in the air style, very skilled. These are 12 very skilled teams so it's a it's an amazing 2 days of vintage baseball. So if you ever come to Michigan and you don't want to get your hands dirty playing in a vintage baseball game, I would say you would want to come that weekend.
2: <laughs> What's the age?
1: What's the youngest you're allowed to be to play in the vintage?
0: We don't have um, age groups, so we see like 16 year olds.
1: Yeah, like it's literally if they're if they're under eight, if they're a minor age as long as their parents are okay with it. Yeah, I started playing vintage baseball at 13, so.
0: And it who goes all the, history? say that who again, Kevin. The,
1: who started vintage? The, um, it, it's two, two areas, kind of simultaneously started at the same time. Uh, Old Page Restoration Village in Long Island, New York, and here in Columbus, Ohio, the Ohio History Center, uh, both formed vintage baseball clubs in the uh, early 80s. Um, I believe like 81 80 in that area. So, and then the game kind of spread from there. So uh, the Ohio village, get this, the Ohio village muffins, that's the, the team name um, at, are solely responsible for the spread of vintage baseball throughout the Midwest and, and beyond honestly. And then you're an uh, old Beth Pace restoration village. It's like the Atlantic Baseball Club, the New York Mutuals, and, and and clubs like that that spread it up the the mid-Atlantic area. So how many teams are there nationwide? You know, do you have a count of or just too many? No, there's well over – I mean, I it'd be safe to say there's definitely well over 100. There are 32 teams alone in Ohio. Oh, and there's like okay.
0: 35 in Michigan. So it's well over 200, I would say, nationwide. California yeah. has some great – they do overhand – pitching 86 style in California, 85 or 86, Uh, which is when gloves first started making their way into the baseball atmosphere. So they're like having a sheet of paper on your hand, but they're gloves. And, uh, but they, they play a full season with like eight or 10 clubs in California. Yeah. in the San Francisco area, I believe. And then there's yep. the clubs on the east coast of the United States. will play by all of the different rules, and you'll see everything over there. And they play it very accurately, and, uh, and they take that presentation very seriously, as they should. They do it very well. Even Tennessee. Tennessee has a, a league that it has all of the teams from the state, and they have a year-end tournament called the Sulphur Dell. So there are some great places. And then there's places like Texas that haven't been touched by it yet. Usually what it takes is somebody who was very involved in vintage baseball having to uproot their life and move to a different state for a job or whatever reason, and then they're like, hey, we're going to do this, which is what's happening in Florida right now. You have uh, Florida yeah. just starting their vintage baseball uh, growth. But, yeah, I would say well over 200 teams, yeah.
2: Okay. That's, I was just trying to figure out, I mean, here, baseball is everywhere, and uh like you said, but you can play there, You can play it in a parking lot that's grassed over, probably depending on what style mm-hmm. you're
0: playing. Oh, you you Go got to play wherever you can find a field. There's many fields in Vintage Baseball that have characters such as trees on the infield, trees in the outfield, a building here, a building there, a shed over mm-hmm. here. I mean, you got to play around obstacles, and I feel like they had to do that. Uh, back in the 19th what? century because you're not just going to come across a very well-groomed cut field perfect for baseball. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> it sounds like a lot of, you know, it, it, it's a, How long do the games really last? Or, I mean, inning-wise, time? Are they timed innings? How, how are they even scored back
1: then? They are scored scored like a regular game. I mean, honestly, the book is going to look different, but nobody's... I mean, everybody's keeping like a modern book, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, but... Um. Yeah, no, games are. Games, if you have the proper umpire, a game can be mo- be done in under two hours. Yep. Um, it, yeah, so.
2: so. There was a picture when we were in Cooperstown of uh, what they. It was a song, the, some baseball post on the talk, and it had a picture of guys almost boxing on the bases. They, uh, and that was. I, I can't show you my stupid camera, but they, they talked about what what it was like back then where the guys were, you know, this is before Ty Cobb and everything. So it wasn't, I wasn't sure if dirty play was involved or, you know, how it was, are they, did they even try and play that way? Dirty? You know, I, I don't know how it was even played back then. Let,
1: to let's, just, let's just say your high school baseball story of uh, having a ball staged so you could get another ball. I mean, so you didn't have to chase it. That it, it Nowadays would be considered dirty, like because the infield fly rule didn't exist. So you can see infielders, bases loaded, or uh, you know, man on first, man on second, settle under a ball like he's going to catch it, and then just push it to the ground to get yeah. like a double or triple play. Um, so like you see, you see a lot of uh, strategy, uh, but for the most part, you're not going to see a lot of fist fights. You see, you know, like you know, you you see a lot of competitive. Uh, individuals, but for the most part, we like to focus on the camaraderie aspect of the community after you know because we all got to exist after these games so
2: nine players
1: uh-huh well at nine on the field you can have i mean like you can choose so there's a here's the the two sides <laughs> some clubs will have more than nine guys, and some clubs will bat all fourteen guys. Or 13 guys, however many, because, you know, you make the trip, you show up, you put on the uniform, they want you to play. But then yep. there are some clubs that are just like, no, I'm only playing nine and everybody else will get in if I substitute them in. So, yeah. But. So the catcher, no gear for the catcher? Um, not unless, not until you get into the overhand. Okay. Because uh, then, you, you know, you got to protect them with the mask and the ch- uh, the chest protector. But for the most part, in a, in a 67, 64 game, no gear. Hmm.
0: And uh, But the way it was is you were only supposed to bat nine. You're only supposed to play yeah. nine guys. So uh, another interesting part of the rule you might find interesting, Kevin, is that we don't play by a modern lineup. So the last guy, whoever makes the last down, specifically that person, whoever follows him in the lineup, will start the next inning. So say there's a bases loaded situation and there's a – let's just say a grounder back to the pitcher and the pitcher throws home for a force. Whoever follows that guy who got forced at home is who leads off the next inning. And then obviously it was somebody who was just on base probably, or was up very recently.
2: Yeah, it's almost like the rules. Now they're trying to put in baseball today. Ghost runners. Next. Runner, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. right the <laughs> goes, yeah. They're changing everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <That's a plea. laughs>
0: What do you let me get your opinion on the shift since it's going to be going away? Uh, yeah. and it was here for a little bit. What do you feel about the shift?
2: Learn to hit the ball the other way, to learn to play the game. I That's like it. Focus. That's what's going away from baseball. They're not, they don't know how to play the game anymore. They're complaining. No, this generation, you know, everybody wins crap. No, you've got to learn to adjust, make the adjustment to, base, to the base, to the game. Bases inside the pizza boxes. I mean, it, it's killing. Even the way the guys are taught to swing now what's killing baseball. You know, it's it averages and everything else. They think the shift is going to change. It's not going to. Guys still aren't going to be able to hit the ball, you know, whether they're. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because there are guys, when I played, guys were surgical with it. I mean, I, even that, you know, now, even if the games, if they're medically games, guys go out and you can hit the ball wherever you want. It. And then people go, you can't. It's. You simplify it. Now it's just it's what is it? Home run strikeouts. And the strikeouts are up. Batting averages are atrocious.
1: Yeah. And they're just trying to make it
2: and it's nothing is they're not helping. And it's starting to, even the older the older guys are sitting here going, I'll come back and play it. This is what it's like. Well yeah. You know, it's tough to watch.
0: It's hard to even gauge how good baseball players are now. Because if you look yeah. if you look at the stats, which you know, growing up and and even way past that, you look at the stats. You're looking at the back of the baseball card, and now when you look at, I'll take my beloved Detroit Tigers for instance. If you were to pull up their stats, uh, wow, it's not good, and uh, <laughs> and we don't have the home runs. <laughs> Everyone's going for the home runs. It's home. It's home run or strikeout. And uh, we don't even have the home runs to back up all of our bad averages and strikeouts right now. But uh, you were mainly a uh, a dead pull hitter, Kevin. Is that I'm? That's just from my memory. Would you say that's accurate?
2: No, no, because I was able to use use the field depending on how it was, you know, how they were, how it was pitched, really, you know. But I was taught, you know, you know, hitting, hitting behind guys, hitting run, trying to get guys over. You know, now they don't they don't do that. No, it's, it's just. Part of it. And I think careers are going to be shorter because of. I mean, like you said, averages, team averages are what in the two thirties. The Mendoza is gonna become the gold standard of hitting.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <You>
2: were, <laughs> so Matt, so you were you're Tigers fan. So the last Danny McClain, the last man who went thirty games, correct? Was that for your beloved Tigers? Yeah. So twenty wins was what we were playing. Now it's gonna be fifteen, maybe ten here in about ten years. So I mean, enough. It just keeps dwindling. The, the the longevity of guys, three man rotations. Now you are going to have a seven man rotation pretty soon.
0: I think it's going to get to a point where you just have a different pitcher every inning, probably. And you are there is not going to be such of a thing as a starter. You are going to consider your starter the guy who comes out for the sixth inning. You know, because that's the guy who's going to end up with the wins and losses. Or the wins, anyway, and uh, the
2: philosophy of spring training. I mean, you, know, if, you know, if a young guy was going to pitch. All right, the closers that the woman closer is going to come in and throw it in, an and then the guy come in the second inning and pitch. So that, that mentality, which is spring training, a you know, guy just want to get in and get out. That's fine. So you know that's that's what it's going to come to. I mean, and I don't even know what the roster sizes are, but I mean it's. The shit. You want to learn to hit the ball the other way. That's just how you're taught. You're taught to use the whole field, and you, it's it's gone. Is all that.
0: You know, medical science and and healthcare and all that stuff has gotten so much better. Why has it gone backwards to where everybody's unhealthy now? <laughs> you know, why these baseball players would last a whole season, and uh, and pitch like Rudy's favorite player, Nolan Ryan, would just pitch. Pitch, 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 and have no problems. And now it seems like, you, if your starter goes three quality starts, you're amazed that he's not hurt.
2: Yeah, there's one thing to, to you know to take care of your body. but There's another thing to where now, you know, guys will go to spring training to get into shape, playing wise. Go now they come in ready to play. But always, you know the old that you can't pull fat, right? So that's the thing. The guys <laughs> that were the bigger guys, they were able to. Even those guys back then, they were drinking beer, whatever. They were doing what they needed to do, but they were also their body was built that way to do it. Now it they're built to eat these gluten free nut bars with whatever you know. They're, they're yard, the yard trimmings are what's for dinner before the game and everything else. It's just you know, I want a cold beer if I've had a long day. I don't want some some wheat fed granola shake with whatever gluten free banana milk or something in it. I want to I want Smoothie with ice cream and something <laughs> else, in it, right? I love That's what you. it is, though.
1: Yeah. See, he's all, he's he's ready for vintage baseball already. Yeah, he is. Like,
0: <laughs> what is the what is the beer of choice, Kevin?
1: I'm
2: a Yingling guy. I grew up with Yingling. up you know, it's, and it was never here until about three years ago. So it was it was liquid gold, and then my wife went to the store. She goes, "Do you want a case of this?" I said, "No." Nostalgia's worn off. I can get it wherever now. <laughs> but i'm the whiskey guy
0: has, has the yingling lost any of its luster because now you can readily get it wherever you go like was did it taste better when it was a hassle
2: no it still tastes the same it's good <laughs> one of those Um you know, uh, i still have some what's funny is because they would never come back to the mississippi they, you know, they, had a, they had a brewery i think in tampa but they just weren't going to come here. But my father-in-law's company down in Waco made the bottles for Yingling. Wow. So, yeah. So now they're uh now they're finally here. I think they got here last year, year before. I don't. Know. I don't. Know. I can barely remember last week. But <laughs> but anyway, it's it's just a good. I mean, because it, it's school, everything. Yingling. Was, there was always a uh some sort of a special. Sunday night we're half price pitchers at the uh, at Cate's in Newark. So we go over there, you know. Thursday nights would be, you know, the draft, quarter draft, fifty cent draft eat you know, all that stuff, you know. It was it was fun, but it's just uh, I can't drink too much beer. It's good to chug away, but whiskey is another story. Uh,
0: the last line of your Wikipedia page, Kevin, says on February eighteenth, two thousand and twelve. Kevin Mench confirmed on his Twitter account of his retirement in Major League Baseball. You played baseball pretty much during the social media starting to become important. Uh, did you ever think that you'd be re- announcing your retirement on the Twitter?
2: I don't think I announced anything on Twitter.
0: Did it get me again? <laughs> Listen, why does the Internet have so many Kevin Mench Facts yeah, are wrong.
2: If I have an account, I can go put whatever the heck I want to on my Wikipedia, right? I think if you can log in, you can do whatever you want.
0: I think
1: I don't think I've ever officially announced it.
0: Yeah. Uh do
1: you want to take the opportunity to officially announce your retirement from baseball <laughs> right here on the Roller Out the Barrel podcast?
2: All right, I officially announced my retirement on uh, Monday, September 26, twenty
0: two. All of these, all of these teams are gonna be disappointed that they didn't they didn't know they could sign you in all of this time. So I'm going to go back. Do you have a Twitter account, Kevin?
2: Yes. I'm going to I talk. I finally start to get back into it. Kevin, this Kevin Mench.
0: Uh, everybody eight. go to Kevin Mench on the Twitter and find out if he actually retired and just has gotten to the age or he just doesn't remember the fact that he announced it on his Twitter. <laughs>
2: uh, no, because I hadn't had social media for, gosh, eight, nine years. I don't think I've been on it. Wow. Somebody could have hacked it and done it for me. I don't know.
0: There, we're going to go back to February 18th on your Twitter, and it's going to be a picture of you standing next to Keith David announcing your retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Say you guys find a picture. <laughs> find a picture. Find
2: <laughs> That's what I mean. I don't know. One of the police officers here mentioned that to me about Keith David twenty fifteen 15 years ago. It said it said that you guys are. And I, what? Who,
1: who, who comes up with this stuff? Barrel roller. When we do press, when we when we release this episode to the public, don't worry. We'll we'll come up with a a way to classy like to announce your retirement with your best friend Keith David. Don't worry, <laughs> we got. You.
0: Okay. I'm I'm actually uh, googling Kevin Mench Keith David right now, to to see what comes up. Uh. I know. I read it in multiple. So yeah, uh, the first thing that comes. I heard
1: it. Sure, trust me. The theme of this episode has been barrel roller being like, "Is this true? No. Is yeah. this true? No."
0: <laughs> I want some of those things to be true so bad. Uh, it said something about your son. Uh, no. It says.
2: <laughs>
0: this is where I got the information that you got Uh-oh. the fiftieth thousandth hit in Texas Rangers history and then got traded two days later. Are you aware of that fact being true? Yes. That's true. Yeah. We got one. We did it.
2: One for what are we one for (laughs) ten? I don't know. (laughs) Major
0: League numbers right now. I got a lot more right than that. Yeah, that is. That's good enough for now. Uh yeah, wow. Does, do you have a son Barrow. whose nickname is Woogie? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? But you should probably get out on your one fact right now, Barrow. Well, I can't oh, be blamed for this. Woogie. I can
0: only look up stuff. I don't make the stuff up. That's that's what uh, you know. That's what they do on the news channels. I got no time for that.
2: <laughs> what are you looking at here? Let me see. Here. What are you? <laughs> You're just googling it. Oh my gosh! You there's Googled. so many.
0: There's so many places you can go to for this stuff. Uh, so, hey, uh, Kevin, thank you for being on the show. We we took up so much of your time, and I'm so glad that you stayed with us and let us do it. This was great. Uh, we appreciate you. We uh, acknowledge your major league career and bow to you, sir. As anybody who makes it to the major leagues is uh, an elite, the top of the top, skilled, and we acknowledge that. And uh, and like I said earlier, thanks for classing the join up a little bit, you mensch.
2: Absolutely, that's what I'm. That's what I'm here for. Just because my camera would have worked for other than the two still shots that were on there.
0: <laughs> that's all right. Uh, no
1: worries. No no worries because honestly, you you're such a, a great guy, and and you gave us more time. I think the Zoom stopped recording because it went past the allotted time that we set up. So don't worry. It won't be. Don't worry.
0: But I got all the audio, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Kevin, stay stay on with us so we can say goodbye to you like gentlemen would. And Rudy, sign us off, would you?
1: That's right. For the Barrel Roller, this is Swamp Fox. Thanks for listening. And we want to say keep it station to station. We'll see you out in the field.